If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I'm delighted to be back with you once again. I have a question for you. Do you ever read newspapers? Do you ever read magazines? Have these things just gone off our radar now? Is all the information we get coming online? Is it all coming from, do you read blogs anymore? I'm really interested in this, you know, about how, where we get our information from. Is it all just from Facebook? I mean, I'm sure you guys in the US are really looking forward to 2020 and the powering up of the election campaign. I say powering up, it seems to have, to start your election campaigns the moment the last one finishes. It seems to be never ending, which is interesting because up here in Canada, we've got a federal election this year. It's in November. And every so often you hear about it. You know, our prime minister's had a few little issues recently and the opposition is obviously capitalising on those with the election in mind. But there really doesn't seem to be any form of campaigning going on. I'm sure there is in places, but I don't see it. Not in the way that you have it south of us. So it just got me thinking today about public relations and about how a company and a brand can actually get their message out these days. You know, how do we deal with public relations? Are we trying to get some print material or, you know, should we have a journalist come and stay at our property and in the hope that they're going to write about us? Or do we simply sit and wait for the helper reporter out email to come three times a day and wait for the pitch. I mean, if you don't know what Harrow is, help a reporter out. Matt Ward mentioned it in a podcast just recently. It's a a three times a day email that you subscribe to. Costs you nothing, but it brings you all the pitches that journalists and influencers are making to look for sources for material that they're writing about. So occasionally you can come across somebody who's writing about our industry and they're looking for a source. You know, you'll you'll hear anybody have experience with an Airbnb disaster because, of course, they're always looking for the disasters. So is it just that sort of media pitch we're looking for now? So I'd be really interested to hear from you, my listeners, to find out if you've had any media coverage and if it's worked for you. And if so, how did you get it? How did you connect with that journalist? I know that I do all my connections on Twitter and will often get, maybe once every week or two, I'll get an email or a direct message on Twitter from a journalist or a travel writer asking an opinion or asking to talk to me about something that's come up in the news and they're looking for opinion. So, Twitter is definitely, well, for me, that's the way I get connected to those influences. But I wanted to talk to my friend Jessica Gillingham today, 
who is the founder of Abode PR, which is a PR company for the vacation rental industry. And I just wanted to talk to Jessica about, you know, where we've come since the last time I spoke to her and asked about public relations for vacation rentals and and if things are as rapidly changing as the rest of the industry is. So let's go on over to the interview and uh, and find out what she says. I'm delighted as ever to have my friend Jessica Gillingham with me today. Jessica is the founder of Abode PR, a dedicated public relations agency for the short-term rental business. So Jessica, uh, just absolutely delighted to have you back with me. Thank you, Heather. It's it's great to catch up with you. It's been a little while since since Las Vegas. I think we last spoke properly. So it's really great to speak with you. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, Las Vegas. So are you going to be in New Orleans for this year's uh, BRMA? I will definitely be in New Orleans. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, I will definitely be there. And I was at the VRMA in Prague about six weeks ago, which was uh, you know, I enjoyed very much. And then next week, I'm actually at the Focus Right conference in Amsterdam. I I love Amsterdam. It was great. I think we were at the um, oh Vera May Europe was in Amsterdam a couple of years ago, and that was just it was so it was good. it was two years ago, two years ago, which feels like so much longer. But yes, it was two years ago. I know, and I'm already planning for Lisbon. Excellent, excellent. In fact, we were sitting in a bar in Bend, Oregon a couple of weeks ago at the Northwest Vacation Rental Professional Conference. And, and I went, it was with Debbie and Rob Hurtert and Tyan Marsink and Derek Eaton and Jessica Vazell. And we, <laughs> we were all discussing Lisbon and how, you know, regardless of whether you want to go to the VRMA Europe Conference, which I definitely do, but it's just such a neat place for us all to go and connect again. <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually have never been to Lisbon. So that is always a tick in my box. But what was really interesting in Prague is that there were there were many property managers from Lisbon at the conference in Prague. So, you know, it's there's a lot going on in Lisbon and it's really good to have the conference in a place where, you know, there are a lot of members come from. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, and Como. Are you going to Como? I, I'm not going. I, well, at the moment, I'm not planning on Como. I am going to Guestival in Tel Aviv, which is in September. <laughs> Como, I'm not sure yet. Well, we're we're going to we're actually making a family holiday of it at uh, in the beginning of October, and going to for, for those for those who don't know what we're talking about, it's um, Antonio Bortolotti's Vacation Rental World Summit, which will be in Como at the beginning of October, and yeah, we're doing the family holiday bit and meeting up with my eldest son and his wife and my granddaughter from Berlin. So it's, it's always a great opportunity to, to get family together when, when these conferences give us the opportunity. Absolutely. And now having heard that you'll be going, Heather, I think I may well, may well stick that in my diary as well, if I can. So, you know, that, that there's a definite possibility knowing that you're going. Well, you should, you should come and meet my family. And yes, we will Make sure you do. I, I will. Yeah. After this, outside the confines of this interview, <laughs> we'll, we will discuss we'll that make separately. Yeah. We'll make plans. <laughs> so in the in preamble to this, I was I was talking about you know how do we do PR these days? Because I remember the good old days 
of PR when you'd you know have something to say and you did a press release and it might get picked up by some local newspaper somewhere and and maybe a national newspaper and maybe a magazine and it was all very exciting and and those those connections and the press that we got out of those was really really valuable where are we now Jessica because it just seems like nobody touches these publications anymore so in terms of the kind of the types of clients that I work with there's there's two types there's the B2B type and then there's the B2C if you like so the property managers most of them would fall into the B2C category so you know any public relations that you'll be doing will be brand awareness but typically that brand awareness is directed towards owners if you're looking to increase inventory or guests if you're looking to you know sell more trips and it is, you know, it's there. The way that the media landscape has changed over the last few years is huge. But at the same time, a lot of the fundamentals are still the same. So there are challenges because there's so much opportunity out there. There's, you know, what we read now, you know, I might read 10 things that are completely different from what you would read. However, 10 years ago, we might only have had a choice of 10 between us. But now the choice of what we read is huge. So there's that, you know, that, that, that brings a challenge, but also it brings an opportunity. So your opportunity to hit touch points of your stakeholders or your audience is greatly improved and add to that the ability to share content, share coverage, share conversations through social media has, has greatly improved as well. So, you know, the whole thing is, is very challenging but with the challenge comes great opportunity. Before we got on the call, we talked a little bit about influencers and about how, especially in travel, in travel journalism, influencers, you know, ha- have really changed the way that PR works and, ha- and has certainly had a big influence in how PR works. And so if it's a property, if, you know, for a property manager who is looking to build relationships and build conversations with journalists, influencers, publications, it really actually is the same way that we always used to do it. And it really is about building relationships and pitching content that is quality and is relevant to the publication and the audience that you're trying to reach. So in many ways, it's become easier because there's there's more opportunity to make those connections. But at the same time, those connections can be more disparate, you know, that it's possibly weaker because there's more of them, mm-hmm. although that's always the case. And, you know, publications, if you're looking at travel publications, the travel publications that, that mattered 10 years ago still matter today. So whether that's travel and leisure in the US or the Globe and Ma- Mail travel section, you know, in um, Canada, or it's the Times travel section in the UK, they all still matter. They have great, massive readerships, huge domain authority for being online and great reputations for, you know, really good editorial. So, you know, it hasn't in many ways, it has changed, but it also hasn't changed. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, you mentioned things like the times. And I, I remember when you know, way back in the late 1990s, when I launched my travel company and we got a 
double spread in the Times travel section. And a journalist had come out to uh, Ontario and stayed in one of our properties. And this, this piece was just amazing. You know, just had some fabulous photographs and just this great write-up. I always remember this write-up because it started out about, she was describing the an, an evening and it was her and her husband who'd come to stay at, at my property called the River House. And it was you know, very secluded, very private. And she talked about jumping naked off the dock on a, on a summer's evening. My first thought was mosquitoes, but... <laughs> <laughs> But it was very, it was just so evocative. And we got, from that, we got this onslaught of inquiries about these properties because everybody wanted this privacy and the forest and 10 acres of nobody around. And in fact, on our lakes, as you know, up here, you know, most of our lakes are pretty crowded, Mm -hmm. but it was just fabulous publicity. Fabulous. And of course, when you think about it now, it was great to hear you say that, that it's still important because, of course, that same material is online. So if somebody's been following the Times travel supplement for years, they're going to just see it online instead. Absolutely. And the fact that everything is now online means that it's always there. So that's probably the biggest change in media, if you like, or in publications is back in the day, you know, that lovely article that you had would have been read by huge numbers of Times readers on that Sunday afternoon. Some of them would have kept it, kept the article, kept your contact details. But eventually, that print material would have ended up as chip paper, as we would say in the UK, or, you know, in the recycling bin, and it would have been gone forever. Whereas today, if you've got an article like that, then that is online on the publication, hopefully with a link and your contact details to your own website indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So anyone could stumble across that article in five years time, you know, in 10 years time, in six months time, if they're searching and, and it would come under the search terms that somebody would be searching for. So not only do they, they might be searching you know, in the the instance of, uh, for your company, Cottage Holiday in Canada and or going to a lake in Ontario, or they might be searching for your company name and it would come up. So, you know, the biggest thing is about time. It's there indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, of course it is. Yes. Because that was something when we we hired a PR company way back in the 1990s and... You know, they worked for us diligently and we would get something in something every week, whether it was some tiny little local newspaper in Lancashire, you know, <laughs> some, something yeah. went out. But of course, you were very conscious that, uh, that its shelf life was extremely short, that mm-hmm. it, was, it was read and discarded. And as you say, it became chip paper. Um, yeah. but, you know, I, I really need to explain chip paper. <laughs> Because <laughs> we, I, I don't think we ever get our fish and chips in UK wrapped in newspaper anymore, do we? Do you? Yes. Well, not in newspaper, no. It's yeah. in plain white well, paper. Well, it's still in plain white paper, but it used to be. Not that I go and buy chips that often. Oh, gosh. We used to have a chip, <laughs> we used to have a chip van come, come to the bottom of our lane on a Thursday <laughs> evening at about six o'clock. And it was always chip van day. And, oh. and you know, that was it. I mean, this was when I was a kid. And we had, you know, the chips were always wrapped in newspaper and proper newspaper with, 
you know, with a print coming off it. Yeah, but I guess actually probably the reason that we don't anymore is that no one buys newspapers anymore. <laughs> That's true. There are. It's, n- it's not the you know it's not some EU regulation that you can't have print or something. It is that there there's no newspapers anymore to do it. So that, well, that's right. And any, anybody that has a newspaper, it just goes straight out in the recycling anyway. It just wasn't recycling mm. then. So yeah, in, that, yeah, that's a little bit of an interesting walk back in British time. <laughs> Um, so we talked about influencers. What is an influencer, Jessica, in this in the travel space in our in our space? What what should we be looking for? Who should be we be making these relationships with? Because I'm sure it's not a Kardashian. Uh, if you could get a Kardashian, yeah. you'd be you'd be laughing. I tell you, but <laughs> no, it's not a, it's not a Kardashian. Um, it's really it's a really interesting topic. And it's changing a lot that, you know, the way that influencers work and the impact that they have on PR, you know, is changing. And influencers, there's two different aspects to it. We've got the travel PR. So the, as we kind of said before, you might have travel in- influencers, you know, people that are asking to stay at your property and in order to profile your property through their channels and through their networks, their influencer networks. And then we have within the industry people that write about the vacation rental industry or the short-term rental industry. And and so there's influence there. And for me, influence, I think that it's quite interesting. There's also a difference between a thought leader and an influencer. For me, an influencer influences some kind of change. So and it impacts beyond the industry that you're in. So an influencer within an industry kind of has the ability to impact change within the industry, but from outside. So it can touch people outside of the industry so that they know about it, they find out about it, something happens and changes because of what they're influencing around. But in terms But a thought leader is somebody that has, you know, great expertise and insight within an industry. So it's a bit of um, semantics probably, but there's kind of differences. But I think what we're talking about here, though, is travel influences. So they are the Instagrammers, the YouTubers, the bloggers, of which there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of them in all different countries that are, you know, and there are a lot of people that are making a living traveling, staying in different places, selling their services, selling their content to whether it's uh, destination management organizations or whether it's hotels or tour operators or vacation rental property managers or attractions, you know, they're getting things for free, but they're also usually getting paid for the content that they produce. So whether that is posts on their, you know, they get paid per post or they get paid per blog or they get paid for the photographs that they have, you know, they all have deals. And it, they work very differently from journalists. Journalists typically don't get paid for what they get paid by their publication, not by the uh, accommodation owner or the property manager or the destination. You know, they're paid by their publication. They do accept comped and hosted trips. Like when you had your journalists come over from the Times, you wouldn't have paid them, but you would have had to have provided them with an example of a holiday that you you know one of your Mm -hmm. holiday homes it was your own home so and you know they probably got their flights paid for by Air Canada who would have been part of the deal Mm -hmm. and presumably Tourism Ontario would have been involved at some point as well 
as a as a kind of a, a package hosted press trip, but you wouldn't have paid for their time. Whereas with influencers, very often you pay for their time as well. So whether it's a day rate or whether they they sell their content and their touch points to their their following, their tribe. And I think with them, and, you know, I work much more in the B2B side of things now and because it changes so much in the B2C, you know, it, I'm probably not as up to speed as I might have been 18 months ago. But because your influences, it's a bit like everything. You get some that are absolutely amazing, will have a huge impact on your business and are going to cost that. They're going to cost that impact. And then you have others that will be getting a free trip or something like that, but will not be actually get it you won't be getting anything back from it so it's really about finding finding the right balance and what actual influencer is right for you so you know and if you've got a property in where you have properties millennials perhaps or you know younger than millennial you know a a 20 year old influencer is not really it's not your target you know their audience Mm -hmm. is not your target audience of who your guests are so you wouldn't want to work with an influencer who has a a following full of 20 to 25 year olds because they're very unlikely to go on and book a property with you so it's it's finding the right one for that has the audience that is your potential audience so it's really doing your due diligence yeah it's doing that research isn't it because I remember doing it um a while back you know thinking about mommy bloggers yeah and there there is a there's a whole world of mommy bloggers that that talk about travel and taking their families on vacation yeah some of them some of them though are you know they're heading to the the big attractions they're staying in the hotels they're not interested in the vacation rental side of it but then there are others who seem to look out for the you know they want to take their kids on the nature side of it so they're looking for places to stay where they can stay as a family and enjoy all the nature activities. So they're more likely to be looking for a vacation rental. So yeah, it really is getting out there and looking for these people and and just really Googling travel writers, travel bloggers, and then making, you know, making those long tail searches, mommy bloggers, travel, vacation rentals, and you'll pick up those that are writing about our space. Absolutely. And ones that have an audience that would be relevant to the guests that you want to attract. And it's with anything as well is when it comes down to the negotiations and whether you decide to host a trip, you need to think about, okay, so if I was to give three nights in my property in the middle of August, that the cost of that to me to not renting that property out to a paying guest is X amount of dollars. Do I feel that I will get a return on that X amount of dollars? Maybe not in two months time, but over the course of two or three years, will I get the return from that investment? And sometimes you just won't know that. So you just have to take those risks. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I recall, you know, doing this on a number of occasions and once or twice, it didn't pan out. Mm-hmm. And we had somebody staying, you know, we, we, we've somebody asked to come and stay in one of our properties and they were going to write this article. It never materialized. 
and uh-huh. and the owners were were not happy. And since then, we've said we will try and only find travel writers or travel bloggers that have an article commissioned. Absolutely, yeah. And we can see that they have been commissioned by a particular publication or a particular blog or or some media outlet. They have been asked to write this piece. In which case, you know that they are being paid, and they're not just going to come in your come to your place and then start looking for somewhere to sell their piece to. Mm -hmm. The other thing, when you do your due diligence, is also to look at how easy the influencer is to work with. So just like in any industry or any sector of any business, some people are easier to work with than others. And so you want to find one that is has got a good reputation, not just in terms of their reach and their audience, but has a good reputation for, for being good to work with. Yes, that's a really good point because, you know, once again, going back to this person who came and spent five days in a property and brought their whole family and we never heard from them again, she, mm. she was incredibly difficult to work with at the outset, had so many demands and we were bending over backwards. But, you know, the relationship just wasn't there. And I think we, we had a gut feeling that this wasn't going to work and uh, unfortunately didn't go with that gut feeling at the time. So, yes, it's not the case of just getting really, really excited because somebody says they want to come and stay with you and write about it. It's doing that, as you say, the due diligence to make sure that it's all going to pan out as best as it possibly can do in the end. Absolutely. But knowing that there's always going to be some risk involved as well and that you actually don't know the full outcome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Let's move on to the you're saying that you're you're working more with B2B now. And I can understand why particularly suppliers now are looking to use PR more because how do they get their message out that they've got this brand new product or they've got this great product that somebody would want to buy in this industry? Because unless you go to these conferences where they're all exhibiting or you read the magazines like VRM Intel where they're advertising, how do the other businesses find out about what's out there? Now I'm talking to now I'm talking about the other businesses being the owners and the property managers. How do they find out about what's out there in terms of all the new products that are now on the market? So there's different ways they find out. So obviously each supplier has a very robust marketing plans, you know, with pay-per-click and AdWords and all that email marketing, event attendance, all of that. But in terms of what public relations does for vendors, suppliers, non-property managers, it's about connecting the vendors with the audience that they're looking to reach in, in different touch points that then backs up that marketing. So often it's kind of said that what public relations does is public relations provides the environment in which a sale can happen because it, it, it helps to create that trust in a product as well as create the awareness in a company. And then those marketing touch points can happen, whether it's email marketing or any kind of digital marketing. So and where and this, it, before we kind of had this conversation, we talked or, you know, before we were recording, we talked about where do you get your news from? And that is part of a the opportunity and also the challenge. Where do you get your news from? You generally speaking, get your news from a, a few trusted sources, whether that is Facebook and it's it's whatever posts come up on Facebook or if you're a B2B 
and and you follow LinkedIn, LinkedIn is a key place where you get your news, your content. And that content has to come from somewhere. So it, it comes from news publications. It comes from the, the sources of companies, whether it's their own blogs and their own thought leadership. And it comes from the, the sharing of articles and the sharing of content. And that's part of it. And Whenever I work with a new business, we always look at or we always try to look at the objectives right at the beginning. So it's it's never about we just, you know, it should never really be about we just want this coverage. It's what do, what do we need this coverage to do? And what public relations can help a business do is that the, the main purpose of it really is to impact some kind of outcome. So whether that outcome is about a change in perception or it's an actual action or it's a development of a new market, you know, something like that. You're always looking at what is the actual outcome that you want from this, which is not just the piece of coverage. It's what does this do? It either builds our story. It helps to position our reputation. It helps our ability to connect with a new market. It makes stakeholders and potential investors see what we're doing. It shows our different service we might be offering. So there's there's sort of different things. But generally speaking, people get their news from their trusted sources. So and usually that is shared online. Well, let's go to trusted sources because you told me when we started talking today that you have not been on Facebook or you haven't been on any social media since Christmas. Any fun social media. Any fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I have not been on Facebook or Instagram since Christmas. I am on LinkedIn and I am on Twitter. So I just do social media for work now. And so for me, so all the the information that I get for my work and for what's going on in the industry, I get from newsletters that I've signed up for and whether that is through trade publications, you know, industry publications, but also your email newsletter uh, and other ones, other thought leader newsletters. So I get my information from there. And so for me, I'm not, I don't use Facebook or Instagram. So you, oh, this is so enlightening. <laughs> I just got completely fed up with it. I, I know, I know, because I do what you were saying. You, were, you realized at Christmas time that you were mindlessly scrolling. And I, th- I think that's probably something that should have a, a diagnosis <laughs> of mindlessly scrolling. <laughs> Because I see myself doing it. You're actually inspiring me to get off Facebook. Because I, I do. I wait, I'll wake up at four in the morning and the next thing I know I'm on Facebook and I'm mindlessly scrolling. So you haven't had any negative impact of doing that, of coming off? I don't miss it one bit. And I get all the information I need. You know, it's not that I'm not. That I guess what I'm not getting is information that I don't need. Mm-hmm. So it's being selective. I have to say, though, Heather, I do find myself scrolling LinkedIn now, just like <laughs> I used to scroll Facebook and the BBC website. I'm not saying I'm I'm a completely reformed non-scroller now, but <laughs> it is just on different sources. But I think it, that's it, really. It's being really selective about what content mm-hmm. I put in, you know, that I've got, we all have limited time. We've all got the same 24 hours in a day. And I know that there is certain information that I will want, need to know, and that I want to know, and it's industry specific. And I know where the sources are for me to get that information. And that's where I focus my energy. And that's the the information that I 
that I go to. Right. Well, you have now inspired me to get, I haven't been on LinkedIn for a long time. And I know when I was, I was sitting down in, in Sun River a couple of weeks ago and I had this great discussion with Leslie Preston from Batch Care and Tyann Marsink and Matt Ward and a couple of other people. And they were all talking about LinkedIn. And, and I had a little bit of FOMO yeah. of, of, because I thought, oh, I'm not on. What am I missing out on? So I think you know you have now motivated and inspired me to go back and to get into LinkedIn because certainly it's uh, for for industry industry related news and information that's where I'm going to find it rather than a great long stream of opinion. Absolutely. And the other thing about LinkedIn that, you know, I have certainly said to B2B clients and, you know, C-suite of companies is that you have a captive audience. Generally, if, you know, if you've kept up your, you've got a good profile, lots of connections and you're, you're within the industry, you actually have the ability to connect with the influencers, the decision makers, the customers within your own LinkedIn network by writing articles, sharing articles, sharing some opinion in a way that is almost as powerful as anywhere that you might be because Mm -hmm. it's very, very targeted to your own network. Yeah. So in terms of power, being a powerful source of communication and connection, LinkedIn is it's really up there. Okay, you've convinced me. I will this afternoon. I'm going to get back onto LinkedIn and sort of learn a bit more about how to use it because it's been a few years. Yeah, um, and it does, it changes. And actually, it's not always that user-friendly. There are definite um, niggles with it, mm-hmm. but it's worth persevering with that. So for industry-related news, that's... Yeah, ev- you know. I mean, every every platform has its benefits. I'm working on Pinterest at the moment, my company, because Pinterest acts as a search engine more than an engagement platform. So it's less time consuming in terms of uh-huh. trying to get traffic back to our site. So I'm using Pinterest for for that. And then I, as you know, I use Twitter a lot. Uh, and that, I use Twitter to actually build my network of travel writers because they they all hang out on Twitter. So in terms of for journalists, Mm -hmm. Twitter is is great because also you can see what they've just what they've just written, what they're writing about, what their interests are. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, your ability to pitch specifically is greatly enhanced because you're actually getting a real time view of what they're doing. Yes. Yeah. And and it really is interesting. And, you know, Twitter lists are just great to put everybody together in one folder, if you like. So if you want to send a tweet out just to your travel journalists and your list of bloggers, you can do that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Twitter's always been my home. I've found myself spending far too much time doing the mindless scrolling on Facebook. So maybe I'll, I'll less time on that, more time on LinkedIn. And then uh-huh. just keep Twitter because I, I know it's a good strategy. Instagram, do you know, I've spent years talking to people about Instagram saying, I'm going to get to grips with this and never have. And it's just not happening. Uh-huh. But I'm, when you talked about Pinterest, I am a, I don't use Pinterest personally, but from a business perspective, from when you talked about it being a search engine, if you remember Triptoes, the travel company that I used to have, mm-hmm. I still get inquiries for, for that company based on the, you know, the, the stuff that's already online. But I actually get pins and links through from Pinterest regularly and nothing has, has been posted on there for five years. So it's, it's all, again, it's always there. Whereas something like Facebook, you know, once you post did something in two minutes it's gone yes 
Whereas Pinterest is always there. Your pins and your links within them don't go away. Yeah, I've been talking to Jodie Bourne about Pinterest a lot because Jodie is, she's such a great expert on all things social media. And we had this long discussion about Pinterest and the fact that every property manager and owner should be developing their Pinterest boards to, to showcase their locations. Um, mm-hmm. because that's just your own personal public relations. Couldn't agree more. It, and also, as you say, it doesn't take the time. Once you've done it, you've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, t- it's not the time sap that, that you know, other things are. That's right, because you don't have to chit chat backwards and forwards and constantly seek the engagement um, because the engagement tends to happen. I mean, there is obviously some benefit in doing some engagement and following other people, but it's not the same as having to comment incessantly on posts and and get yourself out there. So it does certainly for, for somebody whose time is is limited, as all of us have limited time, then it's it's a great spot to be. Yes. So uh yeah, I'm I'm just fascinated with Pinterest at the moment for the property management company. So mm-hmm. I, that was good to hear your perspective on it too. Great to hear that. Yeah. You, I mean, what are you doing when you get to when you get the uh, inquiries about cryptos? I still, you know, I still get them and I get them regularly and I actually for the most part send them to the Frontier Canada, which is the company mm-hmm. I started my career with because, you know, they're not just for rentals, they're for family holidays in Canada and I just forward the the inquiries to them and they fulfill them. Yeah. But it astounds me. And that's from PR, the PR that I had around Tripto. So the articles that are already out there. Mm-hmm. And then also some of the blogs that I wrote, guest wrote for different places. Because, you know, nothing has happened to the website, the social media for, you know, good four years, I guess. Yeah, really interesting. The, the longevity of, of Pinterest is is definitely something to focus on because nothing else has that that real longevity and you know, with all these things hanging around for so long. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. hey, Jessica, your time's coming to a, a close today. So it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you and, and getting an insight into how landscape of PR today, uh, because we, we chatted back about maybe a year, 18 months ago about the same thing. We talked, which we've talked today in a very different way about it. So it's just really interesting how things are changing. Absolutely. It is constantly changing, you know, which is what makes it so interesting. Well, I wish you every good fortune with Abode PR. Can't wait to see you in Como. (laughs) (laughs) But if not, it will be two or three weeks later in New Orleans. So, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We we will be, uh, we will connect there. And uh, I'll really look forward to that. Me too, Heather. Me too. And thank you very much for having me. Not at all. It's been a pleasure. Well, that was Jessica Gillingham of Abode PR. Thank you so much, Jessica, for joining me. Always a pleasure to speak with you. And we will catch up at some event in the future. It's something I love as I go around from conference to conference and get together to get together within this country, within the US, within Europe, and and get that opportunity to network and meet up with old friends and make a lot of new ones. So as we approach, I was going to say as we approach conference season, but actually conference season is throughout the year. If you go to vrmintel.com and check out the events page, you can see all the different events that are going on and choose one. Go to an event. 
Yes, there is a cost involved. There's a cost involved for the ticket, for the travel, for your accommodation. But I can guarantee you, you will get more out of it than you put in. You will come away inspired, motivated, and with a lot of new friends. I met Jessica at such an event, and we've been firm friends ever since. And I know that so many people across the industry say the same. They've made those friendships online but then cemented them by meeting in person. So that's just uh, my little plug. As, as you know, I love to go to conferences and events. And even though I am actually an introvert and socially, I consider myself pretty inept. But when I'm in that environment, it's, it's like I come alive. So it may or may not be the same for you, but give it a whirl if you haven't done already. So I appreciate Jessica's time talking about PR for VR and look forward to hearing from you to hear how you have been able to tell your stories to the media or to influencers in some way that brings the value back to you in the form of more traffic to your website, more reservations, and just more connections in all. So everything we've mentioned in the podcast will go on the show notes. And if you have any questions for myself or Jessica, you can go to the show notes and ask them there, or you can contact me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. And I know I may be a little bit tardy sometimes in answering those emails, but sometimes you catch me at the right time and you get an answer straight away. It just depends what I'm doing at the time because life is pretty busy, as I know it is for all of you right now. So thank you once again for joining me. It's always a pleasure to be with you and I will be back again next week. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.